Hello and welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. I'm Cathy Love. I started life as an OT, had a, an amazing, crazy private practice which I sold. And what I do now is help allied health business owners create a business that serves them, the time, the money, the joy that they absolutely deserve. And this is where my idea for the podcast started. What I want to do is to capture how hard allied health business owners in Australia work to achieve their dreams, to support their teams, to create amazing outcomes for their clients. So sit back, beverage of choice, drive safely, walk carefully, however you're listening in, and I hope you absolutely enjoy Hello, I've got a really wonderful guest. Like all our guests are wonderful, but this one's differently wonderful. Uh, sitting in front of me is Kate Hunter, who's part of the Clinico family. Welcome, Kate. Hi, Kathy. Thanks for having me. Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. I think the excitement of getting to this far is just almost as good as the conversation that we're going to have together. So you're part of the Clinico family. Tell us a little bit about the work you do within Clinico. Uh, so, well, Clinico, we don't have titles. Uh, everyone talks about what they do. They get hired for a specialty, but uh, we don't have titles as such. So um, I broadly work on on growth uh, with my wonderful colleague, Michelle, uh, and we basically look at ways uh, we can get Clinico in front of people that Clinico can help basically. So that, you know, that's through traditional marketing channels. So it might be email and social and all that sort of thing, but it's also through ways that we can just communicate what Clinico can do for practices and business owners and individual practitioners and how it can help their business. Uh, So, yeah. (laughs) Is your, and your background, like we've spoken a few times and whenever we pick up the phone, we just run out of time every single, every single time, every (laughs) single call in between pandemic when a little bit of rocking going on. Um, so is your background in marketing and messaging communications? Uh, it's not. Uh, I started out as a photographer. Uh, oh, and that's then right. I, yeah. Uh, and so, but that led me to the world of, um, you know, websites and creating websites and that sort of communicating with and small businesses, um, which also led me into SEO, so search engine optimization, which is often... Um, something which uh, small to medium practices start stressing about. Um, And then so it's just kind of, uh, I guess it's made my career filling in gaps for people who don't have someone to do, who kind of just don't have that uh, person who can just do a bit of everything. Um, And uh, I guess Clinico is an amazing space to do a bit of everything because we don't have specific roles. Uh, We do what we think is good for our customers, um, you know, whether it be the developers or the the support team. So we get pretty much free range there. Ooh, sounds like fun. Sounds like fun. A lot of fun. And let's just quickly acknowledge Michelle. Mm. Tell us a little bit about her and her role and geography I think is relevant here as well. Yeah, uh, Michelle is an absolute gun um, and I adore working with her. She's based in the UK, so we've got someone in the Northern Hemisphere and someone in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, You know, Clinico started in Australia, but it took off, you know, 
all around the world. So, you know, Canada was one of our biggest markets, you know, after Australia, even um, before New Zealand was. Um, the UK is growing super, super rapidly. Um, we just seem to be um, really like, it's like once word of mouth starts off the snowball and we add in some communications to that, it's just, um, it's, it's just kind of unstoppable. Uh, and having someone in the Northern Hemisphere working um, to see what's best for, you know, audiences up there and uh, is, is just amazing. It's such a great team to be a part of. Yeah. Now the whole Clinico team is remote and I've met various team members over the, over the years. Um, and I know before the pandemic, you guys would all fly in and hang out for a few days mm-hmm. yeah. together. Uh, that hasn't quite been possible. So it's not, Kate, you didn't miss an invite like this pandemic thing happened. So what's it, what's it like working with a, a growing team across so many continents and languages and lifestyles and... It's it's incredible. I think uh, I like I think everyone makes the same joke when they actually get hired. They're like everyone in my family thought I was about to have my kidneys removed when I flew in for my first meetup, um, because you know it just seems like this whole remote job, thirty hours a week, um, but paid a full time salary. You know, organic fruit deliveries and you know work whenever you want, when work when's best for you. Um, it just sounds too good to be true, <laughs> and and it is. Except is true in this case except it happens yeah exactly so um you know unfortunately the pandemic uh has meant we haven't been able to do our major everyone and all their family um meet up together Mm. uh which we're really hoping we can get off the off the ground next year um just when things are yeah just a bit a bit more stable stable um because it's just it's it's a really good group of people like Joel and Leora really curate amazing humans. Um, not that like, and that sounds, uh, I think I sound uh, a bit silly saying that because I'm part of that team, but uh, like I could not tell you the commonality of all the personalities. It's the first time I've ever worked on where everyone's just a delight to work with. Mm. Like you can have a great conversation with uh, and it's, they're just good people. Yeah, <laughs> you walk foremost. into the house and it's just whoever's there. It's Exactly, exactly. Um, and Joel and Laura have fostered this amazing um, culture where everyone's so open on Slack, uh, which is our chat communication. So it doesn't matter that we haven't necessarily met face-to-face since the pandemic before that, you know, you would have met everyone um, at least once or twice in your first year. Um, but everyone shares things about their family and about their their personal lives and it's just it's a whole lot more a whole lot more um open than your usual workplace because of the remoteness yeah so using the remoteness leveraging it as an advantage yeah it's it's definitely an advantage (laughs) it'll be a big party when you guys all get together it it always is yeah 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 I've heard about them they sound very, very cool. So how long have you been with Clinico? I think yeah. it's two babies. Uh, well, no, I, I came to Clinico with one baby, but, um, yeah, I've been there four years now. So the, that one baby is, was one when I started and she's now five. Uh, so it's I've seen a lot of change. Uh, I think I was employee number 29 and we're now up to 45. So um, oh, it's uh, it's been a really um, amazing amazing thing to be a part of so there's your position description number 29 
Number 29. Number 29. <laughs> I'm putting that on my LinkedIn now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's where you found right there. Hey, it's Natalie Naker Consulting's team member jumping in here quickly to talk about one of our core brand values, connection. That is why we have set up two really easy ways for you to connect with us on another level or find like-minded allied health business owners just like yourself. Join us and our growing community over at the Private Practice Made Perfect Facebook group. This is a vibrant and helpful community that shares some absolute gems to growing your business. Another way is by signing up to our love letter. Only we could get away with naming a business newsletter a love letter. So get on in and sign up there so that you don't miss out on any of our events, freebies, new offers, and helpful industry insights that will keep you ahead of the game. Alrighty, let's dive back into the conversation. So you arrived at a really, really interesting time, obviously before um, the pandemic piece, but also in that lead up to Clinico's 10th birthday. I got the surprise of my life, totally missed that milestone. I got it just in time and sent a birthday present. But um, what was the what was the lead up into that 10th birthday? Because that's wild. Yeah, it's, well, we kind of, I knew it was coming. I knew it was getting close uh, when I started because I was like, wow. But it seemed already, the team was so embedded. It was such a strong position when I came in. And, you know, my job's to, to introduce Clinico to um, people who may not have heard about it. And I was like, wow, I can't believe how many people haven't already heard about this, this incredible um, story and the fact that, you know, it's a it's a product that not only helps your business and is designed to be super easy, but it gives back to charity at the same time. You're going, and I'm like, look, and that's something that speaks directly to me as a, as a human. Like if, so, if I see an ad for something that also does good in the world, like it's, you know, yeah, like I'm a big fan of, um, of, of who gives a crap toilet paper because you're just going, yep. why wouldn't? yeah um like yep. so it, it just seems um uh yeah and I was just really excited to be a part of that and get this into um and get clinical to more people uh so and then the, then the, uh, the, like the team literally well, as I said I was number 29 by the time the 10th birthday came around we we're in you know up to what 43 um which is it's just it's just crazy uh so were you guys much. kind of getting excited about a birthday party? Were you sort of? Uh, you know what? I think Joel and Laura are kind of the people which they don't necessarily think about. Like, like it, it was a real personal milestone for them. Yeah. Um, so for people who don't know, you know, Joel and Laura took a massive risk in starting up this this company. You know, Joel um, and Laura experienced all different kinds of workplaces, but particularly Joel working in technology you know, he'd seen really inefficient ways of working, ways that made people unhappy and things just, you know, he was managing people in a way that he knew didn't get the best out of them. And then finally making the decision to, he's like, no, I've got to make a change for myself. Um, And just at the time that they got um, a loan to, you know, I think it was a $200,000 loan to renovate, um, their renovators delight. So deciding to risk such a huge amount of money on, uh this you know it probably felt like a pie in the sky at the time um you know it's a little piece of software yeah exactly and uh so I think the 10th birthday you know we're all aware it was coming up but I think for Joel and Leora like it wasn't like a hey like this over top thing it's like wow look there's just a there's a lot of reflection Mm. of of look what came before oh my gosh how did we get here um and so when we created the 
the story on our 10th birthday page, it was like, oh, wow, it was this real, it was, it was actually a really exciting time in the company, just the vibe of just reflecting on what had come before. And for those of us who, you know, joined, like me, who joined literally banging. Number 29, you were. Yeah. (laughs) halfway in the story and you're just going I love seeing all the old photos and all the first meetups you know which were smaller than the last and each one you could just see small things changing you know our barn which is kind of our signature thing our barn. nowadays our barn yeah, our yeah barn. We all take we've all got a stake in the barn <laughs> we do but seeing photos of you know one of the first meetups I think it was meetup number two or three which is literally just you know the the 15 team members sitting around um, a bonfire when there was no barn on the property where the barn now is, is, mm. um, you know, as someone who came after that, I love seeing that stuff. I feel like I came from something that was truly built um, from the ground from the up. ground up. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's, um, I guess, but, uh, yeah, and I guess as someone who's always looking for ways to, you know, show people Clinico, I guess it, it got me starting to think of oh my gosh I, I don't I don't actually know that much about the Clinico customers because another thing that some people may not realise is that uh, Clinico doesn't track our customers or users in the back end in any way so many like well everyone knows you log onto Facebook and you know a cookie's dropped on your on your browser and you're chased around the internet by by ads which some people enjoy and some people don't um, Clinico doesn't do anything like that. Uh, um, but even to the point that when someone signs up for Clinico, we don't even ask you uh, whether what kind of practitioner you are, you know, whether you're an osteopath, whether you're an occupational therapist. So I'm going, wow, I don't even know who uses Clinico the most. Who am I talking to out there? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And it's not the kind of thing that, um, and and the reason this has happened is because, you know, developers, the company was co-founded by a a software developer and developers, Mm are really passionate about privacy and people's privacy. And that's why it never occurred to Joel that we should ask that kind of thing when he was building the software. And then when it comes to, you know, marketing strategies, he's just going, no, no, it's people's part. Like, let's protect people from themselves. We don't want to, you know, um, invade their privacy without them understanding, you know, what's happening. So I was like, well, how about we survey them? Like, and let's see what people want to volunteer in that way. People can give us this information if they want to. But, you know, it's not like we're making everyone do it and we can get this information in another way, in a way that feels more, um, uh, has a bit more integrity to it, I guess, because people are are just saying, yes, we want to give you this. Um, So, um, yeah, so uh, that was one of the reasons, um, or one of the big things, yeah, the big thing for me around the the birthday was starting to, um, was wanting to find out more about customers. Um, but I also got to thinking about that there's things that we want, that I wanted to know as a business so we could talk to people in the right way um, and get them the information that they want. Um, then I also realised that, you know, every time I saw a headline about allied health data, like allied health industry data, um, and I'd start reading it, it would refer to allied health professionals in a hospital-based setting, mm. um, which is not relevant to, you know, majority of our customers it's you know it's very much individual um practice base um so and then it got me thinking about the bigger picture it's like okay so do how do practitioners get paid because you know I know my I'm like I've got some pretty good relationships with my osteo and my physio and they're talking about you know negotiating salaries and starting new roles and what they're I'm like wow this is all so different and 
if I when I asked them about what they look for or what um, the average is, they didn't know. And I was like, so what if what if in this survey we asked them things that could help them orientate themselves in the wider landscape of the allied health profession? You know, am I getting paid in the right way? Am I above average? Am I below average? Um, to be honest, some of my allied health practitioners didn't seem that happy in their roles. And I was like, so well, what is it? How, what's, the, what's the job satisfaction like for allied health professionals? Um, so, uh, yeah, so this big piece of work came about uh, in this survey. And then we even asked the rest of the team. So the survey questions um, weren't just captain's picks by me. Yeah. <laughs> we put it so out let's- to the team. You and I know what this survey is. Yes, yeah, so we can get really excited about it, and like we have, and <laughs> we've read it, and we've done headings and graphs, and well, you guys have. But what I'm hearing here is around this period of the tenth birthday, there was a looking backwards and reflecting and celebrating, but there was also a looking forwards as well, and you know, and and thinking about. Where is their information? Where is their data? Um, where is their opportunity to kind of add some extra value to allied health business owners? I don't know. I'm probably putting words in your mouth. I know you'll you'll correct them all in ten seconds. But did it all happen at once around this tenth birthday landmark? Because we'll talk about the survey in a tick because it's really really cool. Yep. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> So this this process of, um, no, this is what the podcast is all about, this process of looking back and acknowledging what's been achieved but also looking forward at what don't we know, how don't we help, what could we do more or less or different on. Did that all kind of happen through that same dark Melbourne pandemic phase? Yes, yes, it did because we knew, we knew that like the business pre, you know, January 2020, Clinico had zero plans to incorporate telehealth into the software. Um, <laughs> that changed quick. I think that, four days, was it? Yeah, uh, so I think it was uh, 11 officially from <laughs> we're building telehealth to it's out the door and customers mm. are able to use it. You know, and that and that benefited both um, Clinico and the customers, right? Because at the time, you know, we know now that allied health or all health, you know, business-wise have done remarkably through the pandemic um so you know people have got wait lists a mile long and you know that's that's good and bad it's bad for because you know that people are suffering but but it's great for the the businesses knowing that despite um various restrictions people have been able to you know keep working uh but clinic like we didn't know then so we um the clinico team didn't know whether clinico would survive so it was like okay so what do we need to do to equip our customers which in turn um, uh, ensures Clinico survival as well for the for the team that work here, um, and then and telehealth was it like um, and so we've done this huge pivot and it's really only you know and that's what we worked on to for that year for 2020 and then now um, and so it did start to you know um, it's really now that Clinico is just absolutely uh, surging forward on just new features to the software because we it's only just now that we've been able to start looking like after all of that um and everyone else was you know um clinkos are definitely a very family friendly business so it's like everyone's looking after their family as well as getting the work done and it's only like you know once you pass through that part and you realize that everything's going to be okay that you can start to go plan forward and go oh gosh what is it that our customers need um 
you know, what is what is it we want to do for them, what's going to provide the most value to the most people. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. So what's this survey called? Uh, <laughs> what are we, we going to call it in our conversation at least for the next few uh, minutes? Well, you know, let's call it uh, Dully, like label, call it what it is, the Clinico 2021 Allied Health Survey. Okay, that's good. <laughs> 2021 Allied Health Survey. And you, you were talking before a little bit about the, the, que- the questions for it. Where did they come from? Like there was a few uh, captain's choices. Like let it be said that Kate did say we need this one and this one and this one. But how yeah. did you gather the questions? Because I'm sure a bunch of listeners completed it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> there were many, many, many people who completed it. We, thousands and thousands of people completed Almost 3,000 in yeah. fact. So 2,654, which just surpassed uh, our wildest dreams. So, you know, most people will be looking to get, you know, uh, 500 or so. I think in my head I said I was happy if we got 1,000 because that would make the data robust. Mm. Um, but to have almost 3,000 blew my mind. Um, and it just makes me really happy because it means that the data is just, it. you know, it's really strong. You know, this is um, the trends so. have come. Yeah, the trends come from a huge amount of people, even as we segment it down into practitioner type and country type. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Remind me. Uh, when last year was it? Yep, so it was June, July last year. So it was, oh, was the very it? end of June. Yeah, so it's um, so there was still a bit of COVID going on. So there were some questions that became redundant out of it because um, it was like, are you still open and or as in, are you operating open or closed? Mm-hmm. So those things became okay. They're really only a time capsule of that exact moment because you know many countries have come out of lockdowns and gone back into lockdowns or had restrictions that allowed them to open their business again. Um, but for the most part, all the questions um, are still relevant now. Um, so the, uh, so the, <laughs> one of the amazing trends that um, came out of it to circle back to what I was saying before or about my own practitioners um, and how happy they were in their roles, it actually turns out that allied health practitioners are overwhelmingly super happy with their positions and how they're remunerated and their team, um, which, you know, especially in the context of the, the whole big buzz around the Great Resignation um, last year, it's like, wow, this is, and this is a trend globally. So, you know, our responses, um, we had responses from almost, gosh, like, I think it was, you know, How many 30 continents plus, are there? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Like, yeah. It was like 30 plus countries, but, um, you know, the, the majority obviously came from Australia, UK, Canada um, and New Zealand. And we just found that trend is actually global. So despite the pressures of a pandemic, despite the restrictions and the opening and closing of businesses, um, they're overwhelmingly or practitioners are overwhelmingly settled in their roles and happy with their progression, they're happy with their remuneration. Um, and of the small amount of people uh, or relatively small amount of people who are looking to find new roles, it's generally related to money. But then when we um, asked the people who'd been in their roles longer than 10 years why they'd been in that role for 10 years, all of them overwhelmingly said that it was, well, not explicitly all of them, the, large, the vast majority said that it was because of the team and the culture that they were a part of. 
Gold. And no, so you might be changing for more money, but if you stay, it's because you love the people you're with. So yeah. um, I found that so heartening um, and particularly for psychologists as well. Like, so even psychologists, I was thinking the great resignation has to be hitting those guys. Like they've got, you know, out of all of the um, disciplines in allied health, like that's the one, you know, obviously you're dealing with people who are really, really struggling on a mental level um, and compounded by a pandemic and wait lists that are astronomical and the inability to hire enough people to service those. But even psychologists are like, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm settled. I'm happy. Um, and, and I, yeah, like, I don't know, sorry, I got excited and I don't know how to describe it properly. <laughs> you do get excited. It's great. It's good. It's good. It's good. So you've had your head in the data for six months. Yes. Um, it's been- taken longer than I'd hoped to get the results out, but, um, I think the reality of, um, so I'm based in Melbourne and, you know, we did this survey and then we had, um, the last lockdown, um, sort of uh, September, end of August, or actually no, middle of August through to sort of end of October, uh, and there was no childcare there at time. So, you know, I have two young ones. So, you know, that obviously added to the, the long time. But And then we got into Christmas. But finally, you know, New Year came and I was able to tidy it up and um, make it all presentable. Um, and then we onboarded our brand-new writer, Ashling, who is was able to take all these um, all these results and write them into beautiful words that people can digest easily. Take away and and use. How many questions were there? There were a lot. There were. <laughs> so it also depended on. It was a bit of a choose your own adventure. So it sort of depended yep. on what kind of role you're in uh, and whether you're a business owner or not. So you didn't get all the questions, but there are roughly around seventy, and some of them as well were around, um, as I said, about whether you're a, what kind of whether you're a business owner, whether what kind of um, practitioner you are, um, things that we can help um, tailor. Clinico to in future the way we talk to yep. people and what they want to hear about. Um, so not all the questions are addressed in this just because they're things that you know um, aren't necessarily of interest yep. <laughs> to anyone but yep. our team. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So seventy odd questions, bit of choose your own adventure. Nearly three thousand people participated. And it's now written up and, uh, and available. And by the time anyone's hearing this, they're going to be really pissed off that they didn't do the survey. <laughs> and I want to know where the next one is, which I'll ask you about later. But I think first and foremost, they'll be thinking, where do I get my mitts on this sort of information? So what is the process of kind of releasing the report out to people and making it available? Uh, we're going we're gonna to put it on our blog. Uh, so it's accessible by anyone. We will email people for those who don't necessarily come direct to the Clinico blog and we'll, of course, post it on our social channels. Yeah. And as people sort of open it with a cup of tea or whatever, what what do you want them to experience as they read it? I want them to feel like it's relevant to them. Mm. I think that's the, the first thing I want them to go, oh, that's me, or even even the things that, because I think there's things that people are going to go find obvious. So I think the number one bugbear of all allied health practitioners around the world is letter writing. But I think allied health practitioners know this, but it's like, haha, I told you, see, that's the most painful thing in our day. Everyone in the world doesn't like this either. It's not just me. (laughs) 
exactly. Here's a list of our biggest frustrations and our biggest time suckers um, that keep us away from patients. And, you know, letter writing is number one. See, I, I knew that. I didn't need a survey to tell me that. But at the same time, this validation that says, ha-ha. Mm. So to for readers to sort of feel part of a bigger global community and to be able to identify with the challenges and opportunities that as a global collective now they kind of experience? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it just, it, it's for them. Like I said, like, look, as I said, I feel, I feel really strongly about the fact that there hasn't been this, this orientation um, for allied health practitioners. Like, so individual um, associations will do research and they know a lot about physios or, you know, or exercise physiologists, but no one's talking about the business side and no one's talking about how hard it is uh, for allied health as a whole, regardless of the practitioner type. So, you know, one of the things we we know from the survey is that, you know, the huge amount of work is being done by allied health professionals, regardless of whether they're solo or whether, whether they're um, in an average practice, which is about 3.3 practitioners, like it's almost 50% of either of those which don't actually have any admin support. So, you know, yeah, yeah, it's really, like they're not using, they're not outsourcing, like this this large number of people are not outsourcing bookkeeping or they're not outsourcing marketing. They don't even have a practice manager. They don't even have a receptionist. They're literally doing it all themselves. Oh, so it's a lot of work. Like, and I feel like knowing this kind of thing that's specific to your industry will help you feel like you're not alone. You can talk to other mm. other businesses, regardless of whether they're a physio and you're an osteo, that kind of thing. Um, and I guess celebrate the the things that you know because you wear so many hats. Um, and you know, maybe someone else can get maybe you can start a conversation about, you know, what advice, you know, what what have you learned in your practice that, mm. that's helped me, that kind of thing. Well, how do I shift from this place? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm sure Kathy, actually, I've um <laughs> I'm sure one of the things that you, you know, that you're going to enjoy is how much people love um business coaches. There was a coach uh, <laughs> question about that. And um I I was intrigued. I read some of one of the, one of the earlier drafts of the report. I haven't seen the the latest, but um, it probably didn't feel like it from your perspective, Kate. But I probably read the thing about five times, and I <laughs> and I, read, I got kind of the first half, first third, and I sort of thought about some stuff and sent that. And then I read the first third and the second third. Then I went back and then I read the kind of the whole lot. And so there is a lot of information in there and. I guess just as a warning, it might look overwhelming, but it's actually really, really, really understandable with the way that you have brought it down into words and graphs. Like to take that data set and get it into what you've done, I don't know what magic happened, but it's really, really understandable. There's nothing scary about it. I wouldn't want anyone to not go and look at it because they don't think they'll get the numbers. It's totally, totally um practical and functional yeah and that was definitely the goal of this it's meant to be for your average person to read it's not an academic paper it's it's formatted as a blog post um that you can have, you know you can read through over coffee <laughs> yeah and particularly dwell on the question about the business coaching possibly well, a highlight is, question 
Well, one of the big, um, so like I think one of the most time-consuming things about having 2,654 responses is that we had a lot of free text fields. So a lot of um, <sighs> explicit detail uh, about everything, like, you know, people wanted to share a lot. But, you know, one of the big things they've, they've shared is that we, they've gone into running businesses but they weren't how to taught. They weren't taught how to run a business. Mm-hmm. So they're spending with their, you know, you want to be a physiotherapist and have your own practice. But the the reality is that doing that means you're actually not doing that much that much physiotherapy in that circumstance. And people lose a lot of confidence. And so that was a definitely a recurring comment: is I'm lacking confidence. I need confidence. And that's you know that's the kind of thing that is going to lead people to kind of go, okay, who can I get to mm-hmm. help me? Um, because I want to do more physiotherapy I want to do more of the thing I'm good at like how do I get really efficient and really smart about the things that I wasn't taught when I was studying yeah yeah beautiful 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 stuff so is are you and Clinico going to do another survey look nothing's uh nothing set in concrete uh we'll see you know we'll see if people find this useful because at the end of the day we don't want to produce um things that aren't going to help people um so we'll, we'll see what the feedback is on this um and then you know i'd, I'd love to do it again because i think there's a lot of things i'd change um there's a lot of new questions because that's the thing about asking questions when you don't know things uh you ask some questions which lead to other questions so there's a lot of things that um people put forward through the survey which i, I now want to explore uh so hopefully if the response is positive to this information we can do it again Yes, we've just got to make it positive, don't we? <laughs> like, I don't know, Joel, if you're going to listen in, but, you know, <laughs> what what happens if you don't do another survey? I don't know. Maybe we'll do another one on the 20th anniversary. Oh, that's, that's miles away. <laughs> that's miles away. Maybe every five years. Ah, uh, too long for my liking. <laughs> oh, I was just kind of giving you a little bit of a break, okay? No, no, no. I, I would. Uh, I enjoyed finding out everything we did, even reading every. Well, it was more than two thousand six hundred fifty-four free text comments because it was probably about four free text comments per response. <laughs> and oh I read all of gosh. them, so um, there is a lot I want to um, to ask after this one. Okay, so coming to a. Uh, Facebook group near you in 2023. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Oh, wow. Just a huge piece of work. Kate, is there anything else you'd love to kind of just say to kind of put a bow on the the 2021 Allied Health Clinico survey? Anything else we haven't covered that you'd really love people to know? Uh, I think that's it. There's a lot in there. I think some people are going to find more pa- other pieces some pieces parts more interesting than others and more relevant yeah. than others uh so i think i think have a read and like let us know what you think too all righty beautiful thank you for coming in thank you for coming uh, in pleasure. and making your podcast debut with us <laughs> i'm not quite as eloquent as the uh, the one and only joel friedlander but uh this is it's you know, okay Different is good. We like diversity. We like diversity. So, yeah, huge kudos uh, to you and the Clinico crew for getting this massive piece of work done. And um, I think what I'm hearing and what we will just have to make happen is something something more more frequent. Um, 
you just kind of cut your teeth on the first one. The next ones will be so much smoother. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's a first and it's like anything you do for the first time. You don't know what you don't know um, and you just take what you've learned into the next one. So once again, just remind us where allied health professionals can get the report. Yep, you'll be able, you can get that on the, the Clinico blog, uh, which is a nice big um, link. You know, uh, just scroll a little bit down the page. We'll also put it on our socials. And for those who signed up to our email list, we will also email it directly to your inbox. And you're up for feedback. Definitely. How can so they do that? Um, so social channels or through our support channels. Um, anyway, you, you're used to sending us feedback, you can send it. Um, I yeah, send survey feedback the same way. Beautiful. Alrighty. Well done, Kate. Thank you very much for having me, Kathy. Pleasure, pleasure. I can't wait to get you back for the next chat. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode. For the show notes and other resources, our webinar replays, they're all available over on naker.com.au. And if you're loving what you're listening to, please subscribe. We don't want you to miss out on a single thing. And if you want others to get the same benefit that you've had from listening into these episodes, please share this episode and any of the others forward to any of your other allied health business colleagues. And we are totally here for you. Don't forget for a moment that you can jump on in and book that power call and uh, we can see how we can help you get the best of business done. Looking forward to seeing you there.